All right. So can I have some lights? A little bit more. There you go. That's good. Um, well, good morning. Like I said, man, I'm, I'm, wow. Good Thank you, Richards. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. I'm, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad that we get to dive back into this um, series that we're doing. And we're doing something a little bit different. Um, we're doing a little bit of Facebook Live thing. We're just trying to stream it. Please, tech guys, don't be streaming it while you're supposed to be paying attention. So thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> they're back there on the phones going, this is cool and everything. But so we're just trying something a little bit different. Um, but <coughs> I, I'm glad to be back into this series, um, this idea of outlasting ourselves, the idea of leaving a legacy um, and, and passing on a legacy. I, I, I just I don't think we even think about that much anymore that we, we don't think about what 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 will last outside of our lives what what goes beyond um, who we are and, and everything and so a few weeks ago um, as we started this we really just talked about the idea of leaving a legacy that how important it is to pass on our faith to pass on our values and, and, and everything and, and this morning I want to talk about a subject that we don't really like to talk about in church an awful lot um, it's money so you don't have to like hide your wallets or anything I'm not asking for anything Anything, but but this is a huge deal. When, when we talk about a legacy and stuff, and like the video showed us and, and said to us, is that um, so many times we base our value and our self worth on like numbers, like how much is in our bank account, or or how much have I saved for retirement, or what kind of house I have, and everything. And money is a big deal. Um, one one person said that outside of breathing, money is probably the most important thing um, for survival. Um, and and it's, we need money. I like money. I, I think you like money. I, I would like a little bit more at times and, and, and all this stuff. And, and I like money and it would be good to, to do all that stuff. And, but I, I think there's a way we need to be looking at money. There's a way that God kind of sets that up and, and does it for us. And, and, and um, it's important that we get that, especially when we're talking about living a life that passes on and living a life beyond ourselves. Um, here we go. We're trying all kinds of new stuff. John Piper says this, Money exerts a certain control over us because it seems to hold out so much false promise of happiness. It whispers with great force, think and act so as to get into a position to enjoy my benefits. This may include stealing, borrowing, or working. Money promises happiness, and we serve it by believing the promise and walking by that faith. It's so often money pays such a big deal in our lives. And I think it's really, really interesting that I think Jesus and the Bible talks more about money than pretty much anything else um, in the Bible. Over and over again, Jesus talks about money because it is, it is something that we fall into and it's something that can just distract us and everything. And so this morning, we're going to look about that. We're, we're going to look at what it means to be a financially free family. And, and I can tell you this, at the end of the service, you're not going to be walking out here saying, I've got the perfect lottery numbers, or, or I know exactly how to do all this stuff, and I'm going to be rich like in a couple of weeks and stuff. That's not what this is about. In fact, nowhere in the Bible does it say um, you're going to be rich if you do everything you say, that I say. But the Bible does say that if you follow the way God has it planned out, and you look at the things the way God has it looked out at, that it will change everything. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 24 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, we have them available for you. Um, if you don't own one, you can. we have them in back. Just raise your hand. One of our leaders will give you one. Put your name in that. Take it. If you like to use electronics, um, you can sign into our Wi-Fi. It says GBC Guest. Just type in Find More, all lower caps, and you can follow along. Um, this morning, as every morning, the only words that really matter... The only words that make any difference are these words. 
Um, it's the only authority I have to speak. It's the only authority we have to meet are these words. And, and so um, in acknowledgement of the power of God's word, in acknowledgement that this is the authority, I'm going to ask if you'll just stand with me as we read this. In Psalm chapter 24, um, starting at verse 1. The Psalm of David says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you this morning. God, I, I thank you um, that any situation we could face, anything that could come up, God, never ever takes you by surprise. God, I thank you that you care about how we spend our money or how we budget and how we save. God, you care about every aspect of our life. Father, I acknowledge this morning that we can do it your way or we can do it our way. God, but your way always leads to freedom. And so this morning, that's what we pray. God, that's what I ask. God, that you will just lead us to freedom this morning, that we would experience your presence, that we would experience your power. God, that it would change our hearts. God, may these words be your words and not mine. God, may you just hide me. What I have to say isn't important. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and give us hearts to respond. God, as we tackle this issue, God, and that you would get glory for it all and that you would change us. Father, change us. Let us be different from when we walked in here. God, just have your way, Father. We give you the praise. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, yeah, money money is not one of those topics, one that I really even like talking about, um, but it, it is a big deal. It is a big deal, especially when we're talking about how to outlast ourselves, how to leave a legacy and stuff. And, and I believe with all my heart that God blesses us, that we might be blessings to other people and everything. But, but money is an issue. Money, money is a big issue in, 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 our, in our community and in our world today because there's so much problems with this. I looked this up this past week, and let me, let me read these to you. Um, as of the second quarter in 2017, the average credit card debt in the United States was $16,883. Totally for the entire country, it was, uh, there's $784 billion of credit card debt. Student loans, an average debt per household, $50,626. Nationwide, $1.34 trillion in debt. And then just all the debts together, any type of debt, um, average for a household is $137,63, which makes $12.84 trillion of just debt and everything. And so well, as we look at money and we try to figure out, like, what's this? There's a problem with money. There's a problem with most of us. And, and I can speak from my own personal experience that like we've struggled with budgets. We've struggled with trying to figure out things and debt and school loans and all that. And so I'm not talking. It's like, hey, I figured this all out and I'm good now. And, and I don't have anything because we are still dealing with this. But I think the problem comes is how we start defining money and, and, and how we look at money. Um, I, I think that's where all the issue is. 
and everything. If, if you look at money just itself, uh, we have to understand that money has no feelings. There are no emotions. There's nothing attached to money. It's inanimate. It's just a tool. But we look at it so much more, we place it higher. We place it almost like a family member. We place it like this is my closest thing, my wallet and my checkbook and, and, and all this stuff. And it's so important to us. But we need to understand that money, there's nothing wrong with money. <laughs> it's just money. You know, there was a time in, in our culture and in our country that we had kind of, it was the gold standard. It was how much gold you had money. Now we just start printing it out like it's, like it's nothing. And we just like, let's print more money, and then you have more money and do all stuff. But, but we put so much, we put so much emotion, we put so much kind of personality and money where it doesn't have any. It's a tool. It's a tool. And so I believe with money and, and with everything that, that it's a heart issue. I think every issue that we face in our life and every issue we're facing in our culture and our world goes back to a heart thing. And, and especially with money. Look, look what it says in, in Matthew. In Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and that's, that's the key with money. That, 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 that's the problem with money because where your heart, where my treasure is, whatever is the most value to me, whatever I put the most effort and time in, that's where my heart's going to be. And so often it is about, listen, I've got to make money. You know, I, I've got to have the right house, I've got to have the right car, I've got to have the right clothes, I've got to have the right job, and, and all this stuff. And, and we give money this status in our lives when all we understand is that it's just a tool. It, it's just a heart thing. It, it's how we view it, and that's really, really what I want to talk about this week, or this morning, is that we have to change our perspective. And you may be doing fine. You may be like, hey, I'm good. I got plenty of money. I got savings. I got all this stuff. It's good. I, I think it's important that we're always reminded because I think it's very easy for things to creep in to take the place of God in our lives. It, it's very easy to get overwhelmed when we look at all the bills and we look at all the stuff and you know, we look at even the debt in our country, just the trillion dollars. I mean, if you've ever gone on Google and just debt the national debt clock and just see that thing like spinning and growing all the time. I mean, this is something that we've taught our kids that it's okay if, like, if you really want it, charge it. <laughs> you can pay for it later. <laughs> you can do that. And, but that is the culture we live in. And so in response to this, a lot of people have gotten the idea of, like, well, if you really love God, then you will hate money because money is evil. Money is a bad thing and everything. In fact, turn to 1 Timothy 6.10. This is probably the most misquoted verse in the Bible and stuff. And so verse 10, Paul writing to Timothy, Timothy, a young pastor trying to you know, lead his church that, that Paul planted and everything. And he's trying to encourage him and help him. And he says, for, for money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not what it says. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. See, it's the idea that when we take anything, whether it be money or anything else, and we place it in a position where it's more important to us than our creator, than the one that actually sustains us and gives us breath and, and allows us to be here. And when we place something and say, I'm really going to love this and put all my affection and all my energy towards money, that becomes an issue. And, and listen, I, I am all for, I'm for, uh, for any type of um, economy that's not capitalistic. 
I think it, it, it's the most safe, it's the most fair economy and stuff. But at the same time, our capitalism has proven to greed and proven to like, I'm just going gonna, gonna to make as much as I can and I'm going to do all this and I need more and I need more and I need more. And guys, I, church, I just believe everything that's a heart thing. That when we understand where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And that money, it's just a tool. And so I think this morning, there, there are three things that we need to know. There, there are three things that um, we, we need to not only know ourselves and value and look at how we look at money and how we look at God's plan towards money, but also these things, these are things we need to pass on. And as I said a couple weeks ago, it, it really doesn't matter if you have kids or you don't have kids. If your kids are grown or if you've never been married or any of this stuff, there's a whole generation coming up that needs people to speak into them. And I believe all my heart that God has called us to pass on our values and our faith, and that's how it's supposed to do. And so there are people, and there are young people that are trying to figure this out, that we need to pass on these three things more than anything else. And as I said in the beginning, this isn't, this isn't a fix-it plan where like, okay, automatically you're going to leave here, you're going to have a debt-free plan, you're going to have, here's how I make wealth and all this stuff. But hopefully you leave this morning with the idea that, okay, now I have the proper view, and I can start from there. Because again, it always starts with our heart. You know, I, <clears throat> I figured that out about everything. You know, just because I want to lose weight doesn't mean I'm going to lose weight. I got to make a decision in my heart that I'm going to do it. Just because I want to do things the way God wants me to do and treat money doesn't mean I'll do it unless my heart is right there. And so that's why I want to do three things this morning. And so how do we become financially free families? And, and how, how do we do this? I, I think the first thing that we have to realize and the first thing that we definitely have to pass on is the idea that God owns it all. I want you to think about that for a moment. God owns it all. Everything on this planet, every, every leaf, every dime, every, every jewel, every person, everything, God owns it all. In fact, go back to Psalm 24. And David writes this, starting at verse 1. He says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. David's very clear here that everything, the earth, the planet, the stars, all of it, and everything that's in it, he owns. It's already his. It's never not been his. And what we need to understand and what we need to start teaching other people is this idea of the power of ownership. That's a big deal. See, I don't know what you, I'm, I'm one of those husbands and guys that I really hate to ask to borrow things. You know, we, we, need, to, we need something done and everything. My wife's like, you don't have the right tool for that. Go ask him for that tool. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to ask. I'm, I'm the guy that doesn't like to ask for directions, any of that stuff. I just, I just, I don't like it. I mean, I'm a guy and everything. But, but the problem with me of, of asking someone else, like, hey, can I borrow your, like, your chainsaw? Like, we had a tree fall down during the storm. The guy's like, here's my chainsaw. I'm like, oh, this is nice. I set it down. I'm like, I'm not using that. Because if I break it, I own it. I, I got to pay him for that. If it's my stuff, I mean, honestly, I'm like, if I break it, well, you know, uh, maybe Christmas, you know. <laughs> but if it's someone else's, think about how that changes our view if we start looking that God owns everything. Think about how that changes our take on spending on saving and, and, and on giving. 
Doesn't that change our attitude toward that? If, if I understand that God owns it all, that God has blessed me so that I can bless other people and that, that it's all his to begin with, doesn't that change the way that I look at like, hey, I'm going to spend my money or invest my money? Doesn't, it doesn't it change the way that I should start saying, maybe I should save something. You know, that's in the Bible. That's a very biblical thing that we actually save and, and put money aside or put stuff aside and save it and stuff. And, and the other thing is how I give it away. See, when I think that I own it all, I hold on to it just a little bit tighter. But when I understand that God owns it all, that frees me up to give it away because it wasn't mine to keep anyway. And so we, we, need, we need to understand that the very first thing is that God already owns it all. This is one of the reasons we don't pass an offering plate. I don't want anybody to ever feel like they have to put money in offering. They feel like they, they have to give and everything. I want them to do it because it's an act of worship. It's in response to what God has done. You know, there, there's a lot of people, we don't like that word tithe anymore. We, you know, we don't, we don't like that word tithe, and we don't really like to talk about it as soon as we go to church. One of the number one reasons people don't go to church, one of the top five is that all they want is my money. Well, I just, I just need to let you know something. God doesn't need your money. God never comes at the end of the month and says, I'm a little short this month. Um, can I get a five spot? You know, can, can so God never runs up short. I mean, the whole idea of the tithe in the Old Testament, all tithe means is a tenth. All, all, it, all it means is, is that I take a tenth of, of what I have, my first fruits and everything, and, and I give it to God. And we look at it and say, how dare God take 10%? If he owns it all, shouldn't we be looking and says, wow, God lets me keep 90 <laughs> and, and matter of fact, the Old Testament, the tithe, we say, well, it's just 10%. That was just the starting point. The actual tithe in the Old Testament was like 23 25% when you added all the other offerings and everything in. And then Jesus takes it to a whole other level of this idea. If you understand that God owns it all, that I already own it all, and it's mine, give with a cheerful heart. Give because it's a response. Give because, uh, give because you love me and I love you and, and you want to see it's see good things happen from it invest in things that matter invest in things that are going to last forever not those things that are going to go away and so that's this whole idea of giving and, and and spending and taking but it changes our view when we look at and say that god already owns it all it, it, it's it's already his so the next thing is we, we have to teach and we have to understand um the premise of the value of work. This is a little bit harder in our culture today. Um, which is interesting because we, we were raised in, in, in a culture and in a government and in kind of a, a community that says, listen, this is America. It's the American dream. You pull yourself up bootstraps. You can become anything that you want to be. And, and you just have to work hard and stuff like that. Somewhere along the line, we, we got the idea that... that I just deserve things. You know, it's just owed to me. You know, I love it when, when my daughter, my youngest daughter, graduated college and, and everything, we were sitting down and I was helping her apply and get her resume together and she was looking for a job. She's like, yeah, Dad, I should be making like, like 50, 60 grand a year and everything. I'm like, you're, you're 23 years old. <laughs> I'm almost 50 and I, I haven't made that much. 
what are you looking at and stuff? Well, you know, I, I have a college degree. I'm like, so do the other three million people applying for your job. You 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 gotta work. You gotta you you've gotta you gotta put in effort and stuff. And, and and the thing about work is when we actually earn what we've got, there's there's a sense of like, wow, I earned it. I'm so thankful that the only thing we don't have to earn is grace. And this morning, I I want you to hear that you don't earn your salvation. You bring nothing to the table. It, it, it is all that God has done. Is that's what you know Ephesians. Ephesians says, we, it, we, are, we are saved by grace. It is a gift of God, not by works, lest anybody boast. And, and so it's good. But, but in other things in life, I think God calls us to work, and he's always called us to work. In, in fact, if you look at it, in, in Proverbs 13, 4, it says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Work has always been part of creation, by the way. Even before the fall, happened even before um sin and death entered the world god made adam he placed in the garden he says i have a job for you to do there's something that 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 you need to do and i want you to tend the garden and and do all this stuff and so it has always been part of our creating it's always been part of god's plan for us for us to work and so when we embrace the idea of the value of work that i'm going to work hard that and then we get a sense of earning a sense of like, man, I, I, I've done this and, and, and I made this. And this is something we desperately have to pass on to the next generation. And we have to remember ourselves. That, that this, 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 this is important. I, I remember my youngest daughter, when, when she was little, she came, they came out with like the first PlayStation. You know, it was really nice. And she looked at me and says, Dad, I want a PlayStation. I'm like, honey, I don't have a PlayStation. You're not getting a PlayStation. If anybody in this house gets a PlayStation, it should be me first. <laughs> You want a PlayStation, you, you, you're going to have to save up for that. And for the next year, she did odd jobs, and, and, and she, she saved her money, and all the money she got for like her birthday or, or Christmas or any time, she put it aside. And I remember the day she came up to me and says, Dad, let's go to Best Buy. I'm like, why? She's like, I'm buying a PlayStation. I'm like, you're 11. <laughs> How do you have the money? I, I earned it. I earned all the money. And she went and bought it, and she came home, and it was, it was a huge thing. And yeah, it's a silly video game. But there was a sense like, I, I earned this. I worked for this. You know, and, and I think we have to remember that, that sense. And, and, and pride has a bad view, mostly in the Bible, when it's all about me. But pride in what we've accomplished and pride in what God has allowed us to do and we've earned is not a bad thing. You know, if, if we still had pride in what we do, customer service would still be working in most places. And so we need to work, but we also need to know that, you know, in the sense of earning, there are three things that we have to tie into that. You know, there is spending. It's okay to spend money. It's okay to go and have some fun and and do some stuff. You know, I remember my first job. I had money in my pocket, and it was burning that hole, that first paycheck, and just like, oh, I got money. I'm going to go buy me a pizza all on my own, and it was a big deal, and and I went over there to Pizza Hut, and I'm like, I want a large pepperoni pizza, and I'm paying for it in cash. And I, you know, I'm, I'm 16 years old. I'm like, woohoo, woohoo, that's good. It took, it took my whole paycheck. But it's okay to spend. It was a while ago. You have to understand, minimum wage was a lot different when I was a kid than it is today. 
By the way, minimum wage, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I understand. I believe we need to pay people so they can survive. But minimum wage was always created just for people to sit there and go, I can do better. Yeah, it was. It was. That's why my minimum wage was 352. But what I what I'm saying what I'm saying is that that sense of earning and stuff. If if you're I, and I'm, listen, I'm not knocking. There are a lot of people that they are trying to survive on minimum wage jobs, and, and everything. And I understand that we need to help and we need to come alongside them. But we also, as a people, have to decide. You know, God has created in me the ability to do better, and to improve myself and, and to move up and stuff. That's why if you go to Disney, you hear all these people. I'm a VP of Disney. I started in the parking lot. And stuff. It's hard. I didn't say it's easy, but I, I'm saying it's okay to spend your money. It, it's okay to, to, to buy things. It, it's okay to sit there. Like, there are three, there are now two trucks right down the road that are beautiful trucks, and I go by them all the time every week, and I'm like, God, that's a beautiful truck. I'd love that red truck right there. I would look so good in it. <laughs> Man, I would make that thing work. And that, my fishing poles would fit in the back. I'd be fishing and hunting every weekend again, and life would just be pleasant, and it would just be wonderful and everything. And I, I would love to do that, and there's no problem with me spending, but there is a problem sp going into debt over that. See, because I think when we earn and we know the value of work, we understand that, yeah, it's our right to spend, but it's also our obligation to save. I mean, God talks about that in the Bible, that saving is not a bad thing. You know, saving, putting aside an emergency fund. And if you're like me, you save up for your emergency fund, and as soon as you get that last cent in there for the emergency fund, the emergency happens, and you start all over. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand that. It's frustrating and everything. I remember like, oh, okay, we just, we're going to have a $500 emergency fund, and I drove out to go fishing and ran over something. I ended up buying two tires. And I'm like, okay, glad I saved that money. But it, it is important. It is important to be prepared and, and, and to save and do that. And I think that's biblical. Uh, that we're, we're, we're called to do that. And, and, and like I love Dave Ramsey. And at the beginning of the year in January, we're going to offer a financial peace course again. We still have some boxes left, and we want to keep offering this to the community. And I love Dave Ramsey. But I'm telling you, at 50, chances are I'm not going to buy a house for cash. But it doesn't mean I need to go buy a brand new like Silverado truck and be in debt when I'm 90 years old still paying for a car and everything. And, and, and I understand that there are some debts that I don't, I don't think we can get by with without anymore. But we have to be smart. And we have to save and we have to think. And then the final thing is we have to learn to give. Listen, generosity is not a spiritual gift. I believe generosity is a commandment of God. I think there's some people that say, well, I'm generous because it's my spiritual gift. And some people say, well, God hasn't given me that gift, so I'm not going to be generous. Show me in the Bible where it says that. Show me the Bible where if we understand that God owns it all, that the things that I have are used for his glory and his kingdom. And so we need to understand that, yes, we, we spend and, and, and we save, but, but we also, we also want to be givers in that. It changes the view of how the money, if you're holding on to it too tight, then it's become your God. I promise you. And I, I guarantee you, there, uh, there, every two weeks I sit here and go like, okay, I have to write my tithe check. God, I really can't afford this, but this is the one area in the Bible where God actually says, test me. I already own it all. 
trust me in this. And so, yes, we, we understand that, yes, the value of work, we understand that God owns it all. And the third thing is this probably could be like one, two, three, four, five. This could be all of them. Is that contentment is the antidote. Contentment is the antidote for the way we view money and the way we handle money and, and how we can become more financially free with this. Look, in First in, in Timothy 6, 6, Paul writes this. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And the idea of contentment is not the idea that I, I'm going to just do without, I'm going to be like just, I'm going to live in rags and, and I'm going to do this. But it is a different way that we view things. See, I don't think there's any problem in having nice things. It, it's so funny to me that when we were on the mission field, when we lived in Sicily, people had t- literally two different views of us, and they were polar opposites. Either we were so rich because we were living in Europe, we never needed anything, or we were so poor because we were missionaries and we should be pitied. And they would go into their cupboards and they would find like canned goods that they weren't going to eat or use and ship them to us. I don't know how many pumpkin pie filling cans I got. I don't even like pumpkin pie. And they were dented and people just sat there and said, Oh, you poor blessed soul, because you're a missionary, because you follow God, you can't have nice things. Where does it, has anybody read about a guy named Solomon? I think God blesses us so that we are a blessing to other people and that it's okay to have nice things. I love my wife wherever we live, no matter where we live. She makes our home beautiful. And we have things from our travels that people probably don't even understand and from us living in Europe and everything and there's littered all over the house and and we want nice furniture and we want nice stuff and it's okay to have nice things. See, the difference is, is, is having nice things versus worshiping nice things. Having nice things is okay. Having a nice vehicle, having a nice home, having nice clothes, all that stuff, that's okay. But it's when we make them so important that that's the focus of everything, that's where the problem comes in. And so often we worship the nice things. If you don't believe me, go to the Apple store the next time they come out with a new iPhone. I have a phone back there. I think it's like a Note 5 or something like that. I like the phone, and it's really good, and it's okay, and I've had it for a couple of years, and it's saying this isn't the right SIM card, which I'm like, I've never changed the SIM card. And, and this last week I found out, like, it doesn't send texts all the time, or it will send a text two days later, and I get arguments from people. Why didn't you respond to me? I'm like, but I sent you. <clears throat> Why didn't it send the text? <laughs> and it's breaking down, and it's all good, but it still works. I can still make phone calls in it. Would I like a brand new phone and stuff with all the little bells and whistles? I love that stuff. I'm a tech geek. I like, I like the little toys and, and all that stuff. It's no problem with like wanting or having nice things, but it's when it becomes, I'm going to stand in line and I have to have the new iPhone because if I don't have the iPhone, my life is over. People will scoff at me <laughs> because I have an old iPhone. I remember for years I had that first iPhone that weighed like nine pounds. Like, you need the new iPhone. It says, why? This one still works. <laughs> so it's okay to have nice things. But it's a problem when that becomes our priority. See, I, I believe God created everything on this planet for us not only to take care of, but to enjoy. He, he wants us to enjoy. He wants us to experience that and, and have fun with it. I, I, think, I think the garden was the greatest playground ever. Could you imagine that? A lion come up to you and like, hey, little kitty, kitty, kitty. 
I mean, that, that was awesome when there was no sin and, and all that stuff. And so nice things, nice trees, nice homes, nice all that stuff, it's okay. But I have to be okay. See, the, the, uh, the other thing is there's a difference between having the best of everything and making the best of everything. See, so often we were like, I have to have the best. I have to have the new iPhone. I have to have this new car. And, oh, my gosh, that car drives itself. I could just sit there, and if it wrecks, they can sue Google, I guess. I don't know. But, <laughs> but we, we forget so often how blessed we are. Can I tell you something? The poorest people in this country are still the richest people in the world. I, I've been to places. I've been in, in the mountains of Ecuador and walked into a d dirt hut with a family. And they lived in literally a, a thatched dirt hut that was smaller than this building with 12 people with, a, with an open fire in the corner so it's filled with smoke, dirt floor. They had nothing and everything and went there just to like meet and talk and hopefully minister to people. And them come up to me and like, here, have some rice with us. I'm like... I, I can't eat that. That's all the rice you have. It's, it's, you have one giant bowl of rice for the entire week. And they're like, no, God blessed us so we can bless you. We have a roof over our head. I mean, we have to start remembering how blessed we are. We, we, we so often get into this mode of, of looking at what we don't have instead of what we do have. You're like, I'm, I'm so thankful to God. I, I talk to my church planning buddies all the time and stuff, and I, I'm trying to figure out how do we grow and how do we like expand and, and, and get more firm-footed in, in, in the area and stuff. And, and I listen to guys like they have to go and set up and tear down every single week. And, 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 and they're like, I, we don't know anybody and we can't do any of this. And I look how God has blessed us as a church with a, a building, with a place to meet, a place to gather. There hasn't been a month that we haven't been able to pay the bills. God is blessed, and, and so we do the best with what we have. See, we have to get a perspective of gratitude, and we are missing that so much in our churches and especially in our culture today. We have forgotten to be thankful. Listen, if God owns it all, and if he has called me to work and, and to work hard and, 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 and to strive that way, then, and, and to know that he's going to give me what I need, not always what I want, but what I need when I need it, and I can trust that, then man, I need to start being thankful. It, it's, it's the old hymn. Remember the old hymn, count your blessings, count them one by one? Listen, I dare you this week to start making a list of the blessings and start with, I'm breathing. Start with, I, I have a roof over my head, whatever, but just start counting those blessings because I think if we start getting a perspective of gratitude and we start being thankful for all that God has, it makes all the other stuff a little bit smaller. It makes it kind of drift away a little bit and we see how big our God is. But we have to be thankful for what we have because I also believe that if we're not faithful with what we have now, then why on earth would God give us more later on? If, if you're struggling with debt, if you're struggling with spending, if you're struggling, why would God give you more so that you can get in more trouble? If we're not thankful for what we have now, for just the sheer privilege of gathering together, I, I put that in an email. I hope, you, I hope the, the members and people got a chance to read that. It hurt my heart that we need to come to church excited to be at church. We need to come to church and be glad because we get to gather with one another. We get to worship because nowhere in the Bible says God can't exist without our worship because he doesn't need it. 
He doesn't need me to preach. He doesn't need us to do anything, but he invites us in this. And so we come and we're thankful because, man, we have a place to we have a place to meet. We have a place to gather and and be excited about what God is doing in our lives and be able to share and encourage and spur one another on. That's why we get together. This is why I miss not being here on a Sunday. I had fun at the little old church, but this is my church and I love being here. This morning I came saying, God, you've got something. I don't know what it is, but I know you've got something, and I'm excited to see it, and I'm so thankful because there are so many places on this planet today where they have no place to meet, where they're terrified that someone's going to bust through the door and drag them off somewhere. We, we have to change our perspective, especially when it comes to money. God owns it all. I, I work hard and be a good steward of what he's called me to do. But then I am blessed with what God has given me today. See, we, we can all be outlasters. We can pass on more than our debt. We can pass on more. And it says we can pass on this idea that, you know what, I can save money. It may not be a lot at first, but I can put money aside and be prepared for when crazy stuff happens. Because crazy stuff always happens. I can be generous. Believe me, I can be generous. Every single person in this room, every single person that's at a church this morning can be generous. Because God has blessed us in such a way that we can give. We can give of our time. We can give of our resources. We can give of the stuff. And the other thing is, I can get out of debt. I can, I can do things God's way and get out of debt. It's not easy. None of this is easy. But, but it's possible when we do things God's way. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, just a little context here. You know, this is Moses has just given the Ten Commandments again. They have been wandering in the wilderness and getting ready to enter the promised land. There's a whole new generation because one generation said, we're not going in there. Those guys look big. And so they walked around a desert until they were gone. And God raised up a whole new generation. And he does all this. And at the end of it, he brings this together. <laughs> and, and gives a challenge and a warning to the Israelites before they go into the promised land, before they start taking the land. And I think this applies to us and applies to everything in our life. Look at verse 19. It says this. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. I, I think there's only two ways of doing things. There's our way and there's God's way. And when we choose to do things our way, it always leads to debt. It always leads to bondage. It always leads to problems and, and issues. And when we do things God's way, it always leads to freedom, especially when it comes to money. If that wasn't true, we wouldn't be trillions of dollars in debt personally. That God says there's a way to handle your money. There's a way to do this, but you have to do it my way. And it's something that we have to relearn and, and focus on and practice every single day. And it's something that we have to pass on because we must pass on something more than debt to the next generation. That's how you outlast yourself. That's how you outlive yourself in this such a way. And so I, I believe God has blessed you, God has blessed me, that we would be blessings to other people. And we can look at our finances and say, God, I want to do it, I want to do it your way. And God's not up there with some like calculator saying, oh, you went over on that, your budget, you're, you're done, you're done, I'm cutting you off. 
that everything in our life is redeemable. I, I believe that. I believe everything that Christ came and he took care of all of our sin. That's why he said it's finished. Paid in full. A debt we couldn't pay. A debt he didn't owe. He paid for on that cross. And when we do things his way, it will lead to freedom. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easier. In fact, I, I always tell you this, I warn you this, if you go to a church where some pastor sitting up there saying, listen, if you just trust God, you're going to get everything you want, and it's just going to be roses and ponies and daisies, and it's going to be wonderful. You get a Bible bigger than mine, and you throw it at his head, because it's not true. Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. We live in a world that says, it's all about me, and what I can gain, and what I can gather, and build my kingdom. And God says, no, your kingdom is going to fail and fall. My kingdom will last forever, so why don't you invest in that? And I'm telling you this morning that the easiest way to know where your faith lies and where your trust lies is to look at your bank account. I know it is with mine. And like I said, I don't, I don't have all these answers. I, I struggle with this too. We, we struggle to try to figure out like how do we balance budgets and, and do all this stuff. And, and, we're, and we're in the process right now to do a budget for the church and just say, God, how, what, is the most way, what is the best way to use the resources you've given us to honor you? Because in the end, that's the only thing that's going to last, the things we do for you. But if I do it God's way, if you do it God's way, then yes, yes, we can say we can give and we can get out of debt. Th there's a gentleman, I think I've told this story before, there's a gentleman in Tampa that owns a multi-million dollar company. And him and his wife sat down one day and they said, okay, how much do we need to live on? Okay, so if, if we, you know, maybe... $70,000, that, that'll pay all our bills, we can save some money, we can do vacations, we can still have some fun. Everything else we're going to give away. Multi-million dollars. He takes a $70,000 income and gives everything else. And you know what's happened? Every year God has blessed and grown that business. And yet today still, he's like, no, nope, this is all we need. Let's give everything else away. That's someone that's going to outlast themselves. I think that's what God has called us to. Not that you're going to walk out of here and say, okay, I'm going to be a multimillionaire in the next two years because of all this. Who knows? You may be. But if you are, you better be using it for God's kingdom. Because that's the only investment that has a great return. The only sure thing. I, I, I just say this because I think this is an issue in, in our culture so big with debt. And like I said, in January, we're going we're gonna to do financial peace again. And we're going to offer it again. And, and some of us have been through it three times. Maybe the fourth time's the charm, and we'll finally figure it out and everything. And like I said, I don't, I don't, completely, I don't agree with all of Dave Ramsey's things. I think it's, it's beautiful, and it's a great plan. But I think if we just look at the Bible and say, God, how do I handle this? If I understand it's all yours, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to work, and I'm going to do what you've called me to do to the best of my ability, and I'm going to make the best of what you've given me and use it for your glory, I think it changes everything. I, I love I love that um, um, B Billy Graham said this. He says, if a person gets his attitude towards money straight, it will help straighten out almost every other area of his life. I really do believe this. I, I think this is an area that we all struggle with. That we don't have to struggle with. So this morning, I just, I just want to give us a chance to respond to this. I just want to give us a chance just to kind of 
see where God's going and, and what he's doing. And, and like I said, here, we, we have many different options. You can sit there. You can just listen to God, just talk to him, confess some things, whatever you need to do. You, you can, we have a prayer area that's always open that you can use behind those curtains. If you want to worship God through, through tithes and offerings, then, then our offering box is in back. But whatever's going on, don't leave here with the same attitude that you had coming in. It's just a waste of time for us to go to church and do that. We can do it our way or we can do it God's way. That's your choice this morning. I promise you, God's way will always lead to freedom. I promise that. Let's pray.